Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Exodus is a story of God delivering his people Israel out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. He led them from Egypt through the Red Sea and into the wilderness, where they wandered for 40 years. God gave them the law, his commandments and ordinances in this wilderness time. Was it his intention for them to just simply take the law as he had given and carry it out? Or did God first need to reveal himself? and his heart's desire. He rescued them, delivering them from their bondage in Egypt, and brought them to the wilderness to have an intimate fellowship with him. Stay with us for today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Well, today brings us to the first of a week of very special programs for us in Life Study of the Bible. Uh, Special in the fact that, as you can probably tell, if you're used to listening to this program, our acoustics are somewhat different than normal. That's because we're not in our regular studios. And here with me today for this first very special broadcast is Ed Marks. Ed, welcome to Life Study of the Bible once again. Well, Chris, it's good to be here with you. And it's good to be in Galilee recording this broadcast together. That's exactly right. We're here actually at the shores of the Sea of Galilee, literally in a kibbutz in Israel, in the Holy Land, and we've had quite a week and a day. I think about eight days we've been on this journey so far. Ed, tell our listeners a little bit about what we've experienced this last eight days, Ed. Well, Chris, uh, I think one thing that we've realized on this trip that actually salvation is a journey, that all of us as believers, we're on a spiritual journey. And actually God in Christ as the Spirit within us He is journeying within us. He's imparting himself into us, dispensing himself into us. And he is leading us into more experiences of him, into more enjoyment of him. We began this trip by tracing the journeys of Abraham. And then we went to Egypt and we followed the journey of Moses all the way from his birth in Egypt to his being taken up by the Lord at Mount Nebo. And it was very meaningful. You know, we had a life study broadcast of Genesis and Exodus. And you and I got to see the very land where those two books took place. And now we're here in Galilee, and we are going to see where the incarnated God carried out his major part of his ministry. So I know you and I are very excited to be here. I think the Lord is revealing more of himself inwardly to us as we see these places together. Ed, it would be easy for us to fill the entire half hour, I know, with the impressions and reflections that we have because it's so fresh, but we do want to stay focused on where we have been, and that is the exodus of God's people out of the land of Egypt. And it was just two or three days. It seems like much longer than that as we've seen so much, but actually two or three days ago we were at the mountain of God in the wilderness of Sinai, at the very spot where God 
drew his people to himself and revealed not just an outward set of commandments of rules and ordinances that he expected them to try to keep, but there was so much that is significant about that spot and what happened at that time. Give me one outstanding feature, Ed, related to God's fellowship with his people, Israel, at that very place. What we fellowshiped about when we went to Mount Sinai is the highest function of the law. And we talked about this on previous broadcasts, but it bears repeating because it's a great revelation. When we look at the law given by God to Moses and through Moses to his people on Mount Sinai, we have to look at it in light of the subject of the entire Bible. And the subject of the entire Bible is a divine romance between God and his chosen people. All the prophets in the Old Testament talk about this romance. What we see is that in Jeremiah 2.2, this verse shows us that in the wilderness, God was having a romance with his people. Even he says, I remember the love of your betrothals in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Then in Ezekiel 16.8, he says, I passed by you, referring to his people, and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you so that you became mine. Now, when was this covenant given? This covenant is the old covenant. It's the law given on Mount Sinai. This verse, Ezekiel 16:8, shows that the law was an engagement covenant. It was God's engagement papers with his people. This is the highest view of the law. The law is our engagement paper. What we see from this is that the highest function of the law is to bring God's chosen people into oneness with him. What this means, Chris, is that we should not try to keep the law apart from loving the Lord and being one with him. That's why in Matthew 22, when a person asks the Lord, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the first and greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he said, on this hangs all the law and the prophets. So the intrinsic essence of the law is that it's an engagement paper realized in our being by our loving the Lord. When we love the Lord spontaneously, his substance is infused into us. And the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled in us spontaneously. When we take in his word prayerfully, in a spirit of loving him and contacting him, he uses his word, which his law is a part of his word, to impart his substance into our being. So that like Moses, we get infused with God's element, we get infused with God's substance, and we glow with God. This is the highest function of the law to impart God's substance into us, to make us one with God, so that we glow with God in an atmosphere of loving God with our whole being. Well, we have a life study message uh, from Witness Lee that we don't want to forget about today. As I said, it'd be easy to go on and fill the whole time with our fellowship, but I think our listeners are in for a treat to hear this as it was opened up in 1980, and it has been so meaningful for you and I and the others on this trip to have had the benefit of that 
uh, unveiling in that ministry as we were able to see these places. So let's go to Witness Lee. Now we come to chapter 24. After the decree of the law, including the ordinances, God charged Moses to bring the leaders of Israel up to the mountain to stay with him for one further particular thing. That is to receive the vision of the tabernacle. For them to build it as God's dwelling on the earth. As we have pointed out already, that this book begins with God's redemption. And it ends up with God's dwelling place. God needs a people to be his dwelling place. And this people got fallen. So this people needs God's redemption. And God came in and God did it. And God not only redeemed them, but also rescued them, delivered them out of their bondage to bring them into an intimate fellowship with him. Well, what was the nature of this intimate fellowship between God and his redeemed people? What was the nature? The nature was that God was revealed to his people. You see, what God is was revealed to his redeemed people. We may think, as many Christians do, that in that part of time at Mount Sinai, God just decreed the law. Apparently, it was so. But actually, not so. Actually, there was not a decree of the law. That was an unveiling of what God is. Through the decree of the law, God unveiled himself to his redeemed people. As we have pointed out, the law in the Old Testament is called testimony of God. Now we can use today's modern term, the testimony of God is just a portrait. See? A picture of God. A photo. You have to realize the law with its all ordinances just is a photo. A picture. Assuming how can God is. Any law given by any person always reveals what kind of person is the lawgiver. So, dear saints, you must be deep in Christ. What is the law decreed by God on Mount Sinai? That is a clear vision, a clear view of what God is and what is his economy. Then after this, God was going on to reveal to his people his heart's desire. And what was his heart's desire? And that was a dwelling place on this earth. After such an intimate fellowship 
he opened up his heart to unveil what was there on his heart. That is, to have a dwelling place even on this earth. Ed, in this section we just heard, Witness Lee used a term that you and I have already used on the broadcast today, and that is God desired to bring his people to the mountain of God, to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, with the burning desire to have intimate fellowship with them. What are the functions of the law in the context of intimate fellowship with God? The first thing we need to see, Chris, and Brother Lee pointed this out, is that the law is a portrait of God. Now, when we look at the law, we see who God is, and we see who we are not. In Romans 7, it shows us that the function of the law is firstly to expose us. The law shows us we're not holy, we're not righteous, we're not love, and we're not light. And Romans 7 also shows us that the law just doesn't expose us, it subdues us. We realize we have no way to match this law, because this is God. This brings us to the third function of the law. What does the law do? Galatians 4 says the law is like a child conductor. We, his people, are a child. And what the law does, firstly, we see a portrait of God. Then we're exposed and subdued. What can we do? Well, what the law does, based on those first two functions, is it conducts us to Christ. We need Christ. We need Christ to come into us, to be our life, to be our person, to be our everything. We need to enjoy Him in intimate fellowship with Him. We need to become one with Him, allow Him to become one with us, allow Him to live through us. So see, this is the marvelous uh, uh, way that God devised the law. So what happens is we see who God is, we're exposed, we're subdued, we're conducted to Christ, we love Christ, we open up to Him, and we allow Him to come into us and be our life and everything. And by doing this, we become God's living portrait and God's living testimony. This is the function of the law. It's not what we think, is it, Ed? No, it's not. This is the truth from the Bible. Ed, let's go back to Witness Lee. I hope that you could see the first two verses, one and two are God's charge to Moses. Asking Moses to come up to the mountain with some of the leaders again to have a time with God that God may reveal to him God's heart desire. Then from verse 3 to verse 8 Moses came down to do one thing to put the law into action. So these few verses give us a record of the enactment of the law. You know what? You have to realize after the law is enacted, the law becomes a covenant. This was then through an altar with 12 pillars signifying the 12 tribes of Israel. And then with sacrifices, especially with burn offering and peace offering, and then with the blood, four items, the altar, the pillars, 
the sacrifices and the blood of the sacrifices. The altar means <laughs> you, the other party. The party beside God, you need to be redeemed. You cannot keep the law of God. You need an altar. You need redemption. Number one, we pointed out this already in chapter 20, right? And you need to be terminated. You need to be redeemed and you need to be terminated. And then what? Your sacrifices are here Amen. to replace you. Amen. Firstly, the sacrifices are your substitutes. And eventually, the substitutes will become your replacement. Amen. You got to be replaced. Yeah. You need to be redeemed, you need to be terminated, and you need to be what? Replaced. Amen. And who is a substitute? And who is a replacement? Who are the sacrifices? Christ. Amen. He is our Redeemer. He is our substitute. And now He is our replacement. This is the way to enact the divinely decreed law. This is the way. Not to try to keep it. You have no possibility. You don't have the capacity. Even this point is included there in Romans 8. Romans 8, 2 says, The law, not of the letters, but of the spirit of life, has set me free. Then it says, Since the law is weak in our flesh, God sent his son in the form of the flesh. That's quite meaningful. To redeem us, to terminate us and to replace us. Then we have him within our spirit. Amen. Then we have mingled spirit. Then we walk according to spirit that the righteous requirement of the law will be fulfilled in us. Amen. Who walk according to the spirit. Ed, the title of the message that Witness Lee gave that we're covering today was the enactment of the covenant. It was one thing for God to give the covenant to Moses, and then it was another thing to have that covenant enacted, which was what Moses did with the people. Now, the question that I have is, had it been God's desire simply to give his people a set of do's and don'ts of rules and regulations and a way to live and carry on that would seemingly please him, if that was his intent and desire, which somewhat matches our natural, even I would say our religious thought, why then the need for Moses in the enactment of this covenant to have an altar and to have blood? It's amazing. When Moses enacted the covenant, what we see is an altar. We see the need for blood. We see the need for sacrifices. And upcoming in the broadcast, we'll see that Moses erected 12 pillars. Well, what's the meaning of all this? Why is there the need for an altar? What this shows, what the altar signifies, is that we need Christ as our sacrifice. We need Christ as the reality of the sacrifices of the Old Testament. In other words, we need to be people who are redeemed by Christ, number one. By Christ's unique sacrifice on the cross signified by the altar. Then we need to be people who are terminated with Christ. 
then we need to be replaced with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. That's terminated. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. That's replaced. The altar signifies we need to be redeemed, terminated, and replaced with Christ. In other words, we allow Christ to live through us. And then when we allow Christ to live in us and through us, spontaneously, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. And we become God's living testimony to match the law as the testimony of God. This is absolutely tremendous, Chris. And this is what we need to see here. Well, this really is the focus of our last section of Witness Lee sharing today, which we regret that we have to keep very short because you and I have gone long today. I think we both have a lot we could say, but let's join him now and then you and I will return to fellowship about this very key point that you just referred to. Here again is Witness Lee. Moses also built 12 pillars. 12 pillars according to biblical use. The pillar in the Old and New Testaments always stands for a testimony. Firstly, in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings 7.21, right in the front of the temple, you have two pillars there. Those two pillars stood there as a testimony that God will establish the building, the temple, and the strength is in God. Then we come to New Testament, don't forget, 1 Timothy 3.15, church is the pillar of the truth. What does this mean? This means the church bears the testimony of the divine realities of God's economy. It's a kind of testimony. So, the 12 pillars stood there as what? As a strong testimony of what God is. You have to be a testimony of what God is. Amen. You have to reflect God. Not reflect yourself, but reflect God. Amen. You have to reflect not your ability to keep the law, but you have to reflect God's virtues, God's attributes. So, dear saints, in other words, the law was given not for God's people to keep, to observe, but the law was given that God's people could be made God's testimony. And let's come back to this matter of testimony and reflection that we just heard Witness Lee speak about. He mentioned this in the context of the pillars. If our becoming his testimony and his reflection is not by carrying out the laws and commandments outwardly, how then can we become his testimony, even his reflection? Chris, it's good to end on this point. And Brother Lee emphasized this, and we would like to emphasize it again. How can we be this testimony and this reflection of God? Well, Romans 8, 3, and 4 are marvelous verses, Chris, that show us this. Verse 3 says, for that which the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of the flesh of sin, and concerning sin, condemned sin in the flesh. 
This verse 3 shows us that by God sending his own son in the likeness of the flesh of sin, we were redeemed. Number one, we were terminated. Number two, he condemned sin in the flesh on the cross. Now verse 4 shows us how we can be replaced. This says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 4 shows us that we need to be replaced by Christ. Christ lives in our spirit. Christ is the life-giving spirit. He lives in our spirit. We want him to replace us. We want him to be our person, to be our life, to be our everything. How can we do this? We need to walk according to our spirit, which has Christ as the divine spirit indwelling it. So we need to live, move, and have our being according to the spirit. As he lives himself through us, Chris, then we become his living testimony and his living reflection on this earth. We become his universal expression. This carries out his eternal purpose. And so substitute has to do with his dying. Exactly. Replacement has to do with his living and our living. Exactly. Thank you, Ed. This is Chris Wilde for Ed Marks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you have any questions or would like to find other Christians in your area who also enjoy this ministry, feel free to call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.